So we are beginning tonight a series that is going to take several weeks. I don't know exactly how long it's going to take. Uh, I believe it will take at least five. But uh, um, through the beginning of the book of Acts, and this series is called The New Beginning, uh, because in the book of Acts, the first two chapters of Acts, is when we see the beginning of the church as we know it today. And so tonight we're going to talk about that. We're going to kind of intro this series. Now, how many of you guys know who wrote the book of Acts? No. It's actually called the Acts of the Apostles. So, but, but good try, no. And it does come after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are all written by the dude that's named after. So Paul did not write Acts, although that's another good guess based on New Testament knowledge. But it is Luke. The same guy who wrote the book of Luke wrote the book of Acts. And uh, anybody know... What, uh, what occupation Luke had? He was a doctor, show off. Yes, he was a doctor. JBQ style, is that what that is? She remembers JBQ. So tell me, are most doctors uh, wealthy or poor? They're pretty wealthy, right? Are they educated or are they uneducated? They're very educated, right? Nowadays, you have to go like 13 years of school after high school. It really stinks. Seems like a lot of work. I don't know. I'm glad somebody has to do it because it's not me. But... Uh, yeah, um, which before we even get into this, I want to point out some people will say that Christianity is a crutch for the stupid or for the weak or, or just people who, are, you know, who don't know what they're talking about. But Luke, who actually wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else by number of words, was a rich, educated doctor. Okay, now I know we say Paul wrote half the New Testament, which by number of books, he did write a lot of it. But by sheer number of words, Luke actually wrote more than Paul even did in just two books because his were longer than Paul's were. Paul's were, many of them were short. So, so before we even get into anything else, you got to know that, that like Luke was a, he's a doctor, man. He's got money. What, what do you, please put that down. Just, just put it down. Let it go. Put it on the floor. Um, yeah, or the, that's fine. Thank you. <laughs> Pyro over there. So we have, uh, what was I saying? You got me all off track. So Luke, doctor, right, he's educated, he's got money. So don't let anybody ever tell you that the Bible or Jesus is for poor, dumb people because that is totally not the case. Uh, now, who is he writing to? If you've got it up, verse 1, it'll tell you who he's writing it to. It's like the fourth word. In Acts chapter 1. Theophilus, yeah. Theophilus, that's right. Yeah, he's writing to, to Theophilus. And uh, we're about to read the first 11 verses, but Theophilus is a, is a pretty rich dude. And, uh, and so he's writing this story from one rich dude to another who can, who, who's going to understand it. He's trying to tell him about this. Now, he wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. So we can kind of view Acts as like a sequel to the book of Luke, Okay. And, and that will help us get a little perspective. If you think of Acts as a sequel to Luke, it will help you kind of understand where uh, he's coming from here. He's telling this dude who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus through all these stories. So let's turn to Luke or to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Um, and we're going to start. We're going to read the first 11 verses. They're on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. But if you have them, you can do it that way too. That's all right. That's okay. Here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them 
over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gifts my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking in to the sky. The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So that's the intro that Luke writes to Theophilus. He writes this introduction. He tells the last story about Jesus as he was on earth. Now, how many of you guys have seen Star Wars? You know, but I know Wes is a nerd. Uh, Wes likes the Star Wars movies a lot. Okay, so episodes four through six, New Hope, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Who's like the main character in those? Luke Skywalker, yeah. Luke Skywalker is the, is the main character. Who's the, the, uh, uh, the bad guy? Darth Vader. So who are episodes one through three about? Darth Vader, who is known as what? He doesn't become Darth Vader until the end of episode three. Anakin Skywalker. Okay, so Anakin Skywalker is Luke Skywalker's dad. Anakin becomes Darth Vader right at the end of episode three. And these stories intertwine. They go together. And that's kind of the same way Luke and Acts work together. Like the end of Luke goes right into the beginning of Acts, and they all go together. Now, we in the Pentecostal church, we think of, when we think of the book of Acts, we primarily think of Acts chapter 2, which is about what? Somebody besides Audrey. Acts chapter 2. What's the big, what's the big event in Acts chapter 2? We're going to get there in a few weeks. You guys are killing me. Y'all are not good AG kids here. This is sad. The Holy Spirit shows up, right. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, and, and, and as Pentecostals, as Assembly of God people, that's the chapter of Acts we talk about a lot. Okay, back in the early days of the Jesus movement, uh, back in the 70s and 80s when Christian music was first becoming a thing, there was even a group called Second Chapter of Acts. And so we tend to immediately put the Holy Spirit as the, as the, the main crux of this thing. But when we start to think about Luke and Acts as one long story, we start to see that they really intertwine a lot. Jesus actually had several different interactions with the Holy Spirit while he was alive. Actually, before he was alive, Luke one thirty five tells us about the Holy Spirit was part of the conception of Jesus, okay? The Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is the angel talking to Mary, and so the Holy One will be born to you, the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, Jesus is never even born, Okay, moving on to Luke 3.22. This is right before Jesus begins his ministry. It says, The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with whom... With you I am well pleased. So that's when Jesus gets baptized before he begins his ministry, the Holy Spirit empowers him and commissions him. Luke 4, Jesus gets tempted, but he's led to the wilderness where he's going to get tempted by the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. So throughout, and, and, and if you look at other places in the Scripture, Jesus uh, and, and the Holy Spirit work together. They work in union. And so when we 
think about Luke being all about Jesus and Act being about the Holy Spirit, but they're intertwined and they're really one long story. Who's the main character of the Gospels and most of the New Testament? And Jesus. Yeah, that Sunday school answer, that's okay. That one's right. Yeah, Jesus is the main character. Without one, without him and the Holy Spirit, like they both go together, but Jesus is really the main thing. John 14, 6, you've heard a million and twelve times probably. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you look through Scripture, all of the Bible points to Jesus. Okay? All of the Bible points to Jesus. We look back at, at the very beginning of the Bible. You know, I love to go, to go to the beginning. Adam and Eve, the relationship that God had with Adam is, is a symbol of the, the father-son relationship that God the Father and God the Son have together. Adam was... You know, the first human version of Jesus, he was supposed to have that same kind of relationship. We look later, Moses foreshadows Jesus because he's the deliverer. After the sin comes, Moses is put on the earth, and, and he's kind of like Jesus, and he's the deliverer. Throughout the Old Testament, the sacrifices are, are, are representative of Jesus, the payment for sin, okay? They had to pay for their sin. Jesus hadn't showed up yet, so the sacrifices are a, like a foreshadowing of the payment of sin. Who are the Old Testament uh, prophets? Like if you're, we're in Daniel, we're about to be in Hosea and Joel. Who are they always, who are they talking, who, who did Isaiah prophesy about? Jesus, yes, that's the answer. Good, good. You can, you cannot be. Yeah, you don't have to whisper. It's okay. Yeah, Isaiah, when he's talking about, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's talking about Jesus, and and Isaiah gave a bunch of prophecies about how Jesus was going to be born. The Gospels are, of course, the stories of who. Jesus, yeah, this really isn't hard, guys. It's really not. Uh, who is the new? In most of the New Testament, the guys are telling people about. Jesus. Revelation is about the return of Jesus. All right, we're getting it. So, so really the whole Bible and, and Luke and, and Acts in particular that we're talking about, it's really all about Jesus. Very good, Harley. Harley's starting to get it, starting to figure it out there. Yeah, the whole thing is about Jesus. And, and our life as Christians is the same way. Like we we tend to forget that sometimes. We get really busy with friends and with schoolwork and with activities and whatever in our schedules, and those are all fine, and I encourage y'all to be involved in things. Uh, you know that I do. They're all good on their own, but we have to keep the perspective that, that all those things are really just opportunities for us to share Jesus with people around us. We can't, we can't always walk up to somebody, and in fact, it's rarely productive to walk up to somebody and just hit somebody in the head with a Bible. That doesn't do any good, but if we show them Jesus through those activities, then they're going to be drawn to Jesus, you know? Uh, I think I may have talked about these guys last week, or maybe it was in one of our Sunday Bible studies, but uh, the Westboro Baptist Church has this really confused. Like, they want to hit people in the head with the Bible. Like, y'all know who the Westboro Baptist Church is? I don't know a single dude. No, I don't think it's, no, it's not Obama's church, if that's what you're thinking of now. Who are you thinking? That's helpful. The famous guy. No, it's not Osteen. It's not Osteen. Anyways, yeah, that's a different kind of bad theology, but. (laughs) 
Yeah, the Westboro Baptist Church is folks who've only read the Old Testament. Like, they never read the New Testament, I think. And, and they're the ones who were constantly, they're like picketing soldiers' funerals. And, like, they're really just jerks. Like, they really are. Yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that are pro Yeah, they're really just, because these people have forgotten about Jesus. All they think about is the Old Testament version where it's judgment and doom, doom, gloom, despair, and agony on me. But they've missed the good part. What, what we have to do, what we have to do in our situations is through the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever we go through, our job is to reflect Jesus. Just like Luke is doing here, he's saying, you know what? There's a bunch of acts coming, the Holy Spirit's coming. But before I even get to that, still about Jesus. You know, we all went to camp a few weeks ago, and, and most of us got radically touched, and, and we maybe rededicated your life. You got called to a job or to a ministry or whatever it may be. But in order for that to continue, we have to keep our focus on Jesus. We have to keep making choices that are going to bring us closer to Jesus. It's so easy to get distracted with work and with the daily goings-on of our lives that if we forget that the main focal point is Jesus, we have totally wasted a week of camp, and we have not gotten anything out of it. Each day we have to choose our relationship with Jesus first and foremost. You see, at the end of this little section here in verse, uh, verse 7, verse 8, Jesus gives the disciples a mission. He kind of tells them what their job is going to be for the next little while. He says, you will be what? My what? My witnesses. You will be my witnesses, or you will receive power in the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, but the Holy Spirit's going to come to give you power to be my witnesses, to tell people about me. And so we have this job to do, and this isn't anything new to most of you. Most of you know this. You've heard it a bajillion and twelve times, but we don't do a very good job of it, and I include myself in that. So we have to keep reminding ourselves of what it is about it's all about Jesus. And, you know, the angels in Acts 1.11 even give us a time frame. They give us a time frame. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've gone. You've seen him go into heaven. So it's like, okay, Jesus gave you a job to do. Here's the time frame till he comes back. Like if he ain't back yet, keep doing what you're doing. Don't just sit there and stare at the sky. And there's too many people that do that. They concentrate so much, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. And me too, man, heaven's going to be awesome. I believe the praise and worship is going to be loud and it's going to be rocking and it's going to be a fun time. But until then, until Jesus comes back or we're in heaven, we have to do the job we're given, which is to show people Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And as we dig into these next two chapters over the next four or five weeks, Everything has to be framed in a, in a framework. It has to be surrounded by Jesus. Wes, hit some music for me, would you? Everything has to be surrounded by Jesus. No matter what we do, no matter what activities we do that are, that are good, they are fruitful, they are productive. If I lead the greatest praise and worship, or if Audrey leads the greatest praise and worship, or if I preach the greatest, pra- uh, the greatest sermon in the world, but Jesus doesn't center into it, then I'm missing the point. There's a preacher from back in the day, I don't know, Spurgeon or somebody, one of the old 1800s preachers, I think, who, uh, who talks about every sermon. He reads the text, he analyzes the text, and he makes a beeline for the cross. And I really like that, that philosophy of sermon writing because it's, it's a reminder that everything comes back to one thing. The whole Bible, without Jesus, without the Gospels, the Bible is just a good storybook. Without Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the beginning of Acts, 
The Bible is nothing but a good storybook. That's all it is. Full of cool stories and good morals and good lessons. But there's nothing more to it than that. And you guys have all experienced the more to it than that. I've watched it happen in your lives. And so we have to remember, we have to stay focused above all else on Jesus. God, tonight I pray above all else, Lord, that you would be the focus of our lives. God, I pray that as we reflect on on what you've taught us in the beginning of Acts here, God, as we let it sink in for the next couple minutes, Lord, that you would just, God, reveal yourself to us in a way that we haven't seen before. But but first and foremost, God, we just want to see your face. We want to know you more. We want to see Jesus more. We want to reflect Jesus better. We want to, to be able to share you better with those around us and more effectively. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for each student here, Lord, that what you have done in them recently, God, would not stop. Lord, that you would continue to show up in our lives. You would continue to put us in situations where we have to rely on you, that you would continue to put us in situations where we can look for a way to to show you to the world, where we can look for a way to be a good representative of you, not out of guilt, not out of because we have to, but because we have the opportunity to, because we get to, because we have experienced you in such a crazy, incredible way that we have not yet been able to hold it in. God, that we want to show you off to those around us, that we want to make sure everybody knows the goodness of Jesus and the goodness of God, the mercy and grace and love of the Father. Lord, I just pray right now for, God, for each student that's here. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us in new ways. Lord, that you would show show up in our lives in a way we haven't seen before. Just because we're not at Roaring Springs anymore doesn't mean that you're not around, God. And I pray that you would continue to show us that. I pray that we as a group and as individuals would continue to prioritize that. God, to make you our first priority, to make sure that above all the other things that we do, Lord, that seeking after you is the number one thing. Lord, that seeing your face is the number one thing that we want each and every day. That each morning when we wake up more than we want to to check our messages, more than we want to find out what the news is, more than we want to check a score, Lord, that first and foremost, we would desire to see your face and to spend some time with you not because we have to but because we get to lord you continue to to bless this group and these students lord as you have done so generously god that you would continue to work through us god and you and and most of all that you would continue to to make us more like you, that you would continue to draw us into your presence and to, to make us more like you want us to be, that we can better reflect you. Lord, I pray all these things over each and every student, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love that is so undeserved. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.